0: Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Friday, March 12th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Nahed Nenshi. We talk to the Mayor about this week's announcement of further easings of provincial COVID-19 restrictions, as well as an update on the continuing saga of the Green Line LRT
1: project. How effective are the different brands of vaccines in the battle against the coronavirus and are the concerns around the AstraZeneca vaccine in other parts of the world applicable here in Canada? We'll discuss with a professor of biology.
0: Daylight Saving Time returns this Sunday, but the conversation continues surrounding whether or not it should be scrapped in favour of standard time year-round. We hear the health implications of Daylight Saving Time from a professor of psychology from the University of Calgary.
1: And finally, both weddings and graduations were hit hard last year due to the coronavirus crisis. But what will they look like this year? We'll discuss with a local event strategist.
0: Well, from this week's announcement of further easing to the provincial COVID-19 restrictions and an update on the Green Line project, we're joined now by Mayor Nahed Nenshi for a chat on all things YYC. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Happy Friday. Good.
2: Happy Friday to you. Happy to be here.
0: Excellent. Uh, let's uh, let's talk uh, first about some, uh, some restrictions here. The province certainly not moving the chains too far when it comes to the announcements of, you know, the easing of restrictions that we got Monday. Your thoughts on the progress here?
2: Yeah, I think the province is being appropriately cautious. You all have heard in the news that uh, in other jurisdictions in Ontario, for example, these variants of concern are really, really taking hold. And you don't want those to undo... Uh, the work that is going on, uh, because right now basically we 're in a race, and the race is how many needles can we get into people 's arms before these variants really take hold and cause a potential third wave i wouldn 't even say a third wave because we 're not quite out of the second wave yet, but a resurgence of the second. but the news is good you know many, many people have signed up for vaccines. Uh, I had the chance yesterday to go to our newest vaccine clinic in the city at the Genesis Center in northeast Calgary and uh, I was lucky enough to chat with some of the people there, and, man, people were happy. It was like a mm-hmm. carnival in there. They were like, finally. Um, and so that was terrific. And I really want to encourage everybody, everybody, everybody. You know, I had the chance to talk to, uh, to get their vaccine. I had the chance to talk to Dr. Sherry Meeson-Jordan, who is the head of the vaccine task force, and coincidentally one of my favorite people in the world, who I've known for many years, just from reputation. And she was telling me that exactly a year ago this week, she was overseeing a vaccination clinic in the Central African Republic where they got 15,000 people vaccinated. And she said, in here, there's no gunfire from rebel groups. It's much easier. <laughs> so we actually have someone who knows exactly what they're doing on top of this. And I asked her, you know, should I be deciding which vaccine is best for me? And unsurprisingly, she said, the best vaccine is the one you can get. Mm-hmm.
0: Great they're answer. They're all
2: excellent vaccines. Yep. All four of them are outstanding. They have great clinical results compared to most vaccines. And just go out and get them. So as we know, people between 50 and 65 are now signing up. Uh, People, uh, First Nations, 19 Inuit people are able to sign up. And a big batch of people from 65 to 75 opens up on March the 15th. So I'm really encouraging uh, everybody to, as soon as your number is up, just get in there and get the vaccination. Don't fuss about which one or when. Just go.
1: And Mr. Mayor, I'm going to get you to look into your crystal ball because I know you keep it right there on the side of your desk. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's right here. <laughs> yesterday, uh, Premier Jason Kenney into the evening did it a social media conference of sorts, and, and he was uh, asked the question and wanted to address summer events and festivals. Um, his answer was, I would not be surprised if there are some limitations on crowd sizes, on proximity, on things like that. I still have a hard time getting around in my mind how we can have 25 to 30,000 people sitting cheek-to-cheek, jowl-to-jowl, next to each other in the stands at the Stampede. What are your thoughts? Because I know we hold these events near and dear, uh, but we're talking about just a little over 100 days from now.
2: Well, you know, I do sit on the board of the Stampede, and I can tell you that there'll be something. Um, But it may not look the same as we've seen in the past. I don't think anyone can imagine... You know, half a million people crowded together on the sidewalks for the Stampede Parade, for example. I don't think we're there. And and I think my crystal ball, I'm not sure it can get there by the 1st of July. Maybe by the 1st of September, but probably not by the 1st of July. Uh, All of that said, um, you know, the Stampede will go on in some form. It'll look, I'm sure, very different. That that Stampede Spirit uh, will be there. But, you know, as for other festivals, you know, your description could also apply to the Folk Festival, even yes. though it's outdoors. There's yep. a lot of people together in Prince's Island. And I know that all of these various festival organizers are thinking hard about how they can go beyond what they may have done last year, which is, you know, a series of Zoom concerts, for example, as the Folk Festival did, uh, to maybe something a little bit more in-person, but still safe. Uh, but I imagine uh, it's hard for me to say that all the restrictions will be gone by early July or even early August.
0: Yeah, it just it doesn't, doesn't look good to certainly see it in its normal and regular form. So uh, we'll, we, can we ask you to hang on a couple of uh, more business notes we'd like to check in with you? Can you hang on Absolutely. for two? Perfect. Mayor Nahed Nenshi, back in two minutes. That was a random song, Mr. Mayor, not directed at you. We are back with.
2: I thought it was. I thought maybe it was directed at you, the, Me. I don't know.
0: <laughs> very well, you know, no, they, no,
2: you guys never are. Our, never, our never, music,
0: never. our music comes up uh, very randomly. Just want to point that out to people. So, thank you. I,
2: I love it, and and I love what Brian does. It's awesome. Thank
0: you so much for staying with us, Mayor Nenshi back with us, and we want to you know talk about uh, Green Line with you, Mayor. It's been more than three months since the city paused procurement on the Green Line, so the province could go and do so. due diligence so updates on on work when the green line might be able to move forward are you concerned we might not see the shovels in the ground at all this year i am
2: concerned that we won't see the shovels in the ground at all this year you'll remember last summer uh when the province said we want to do a little bit of due diligence i said well yeah it's a 1.5 billion dollar investment for you of course you should do some due diligence but i thought it would be six or eight weeks uh it's been the better part of a year Um, And I know the last time I spoke with the Minister of Transportation, he said they're very interested in moving forward quickly. They now understand all the work. And, you know, the frustrating thing for me is that the city has, as you know, because we've been covering it for so long, has done years of work. We've hired the best consultants in the world. We've come up with a rock-solid plan. And a lot of the questions the province has been asking really went back to square one. Does it have to go downtown? Things like that. (laughs) Yep. Um, and so that's been a bit frustrating. I think we've answered the majority of their questions, but we're waiting on a response for them right now. Uh, and I would love to see that happen quickly so we can see some construction this year. But, you know, it's March and uh, we haven't we haven't actually procured anything. So I think beyond doing some early works uh, ground movement, I'm not sure that that window is still open to see anything happen this year.
1: Wow. Obviously, under your umbrella, all things Calgary, but we've got a question for you. As a citizen of Alberta, just coming down yesterday that a new private member, Bill, uh, based out of Spruce Grove, Stony Plain, wants to put forward some provincial uh, freeways increasing to 120 kilometers per hour. Now, we've talked a lot about the speed limit within the city, but what are your thoughts as an Albertan? Would you like to be whipping up the QE2 at 120K?
2: You know, I have to admit, I have a bit of a heavy foot. and I do that (laughs) drive a lot uh, going to Edmonton. So the first thing I thought was great idea. The second thing I thought was, "Mm, then people are going to go 140 on the QE2, which Mm -hmm. already has a lot of accidents. Uh, But I did actually uh, hear a little bit of what uh, the MLA had to say. And what he was really saying was, let's take two years and really look at every stretch of road that is eligible. Mm -hmm. And he was really thinking of like prairie roads between Edmonton and Lloydminster, Calgary Medicine Hat. Uh, that maybe aren't as busy as the QE2, and then make a determination of what the right speed is on those roads. Um, you know, and I think that's just fine. Uh, the thing about speed limits is I'm not saying lower them everywhere, nor am I saying higher, make them higher everywhere. What I've always been saying is go to the safety of the road. Mm. And if our roads are engineered for higher speed limits, then certainly that's something we should be looking at even within the city.
0: We could call it the Autobahn A. Eh? Oh, man. Just a thought? I don't know. Popped (laughs) into my head. Maybe not. All right. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Always appreciate your time, and hopefully you have a great weekend. Beautiful weather in store for us. Yeah,
2: the weather's going to be great. Get outside, get some fresh air and exercise. I went for a long walk yesterday, and hopefully we'll just do that every day now. Um, And stay safe, everybody, and get that vaccine.
0: Thank you, Sarah. That is Calgary Mayor Nahed Nenshi.
1: 6.09 on the morning news. Good news on the vaccine front. A fifth vaccine has been submitted to Novavax for approval in Canada, and it could be produced right here. Desantila golemi Kotra, a biology professor at York University, joins us now to talk about the efficacy rates and more. Good morning to you, Desantila. Good morning. Thank you for having me in your show. Thank you for being here. Let's talk about uh, this, the newest and latest, and then we want to uh, dig a, a little deeper into the different vaccines, but what can you tell us about the attributes of this uh, new contender, if you will?
3: The Novavax one? Yes. Yes, actually. So uh, overall, the Novavax is about 85% effective against um, uh, the uh, UK variant that is uh, dominant in the UK. Uh, it is less so uh, efficacious against the South uh, African uh, variant. And uh, overall, is 95% effective against the original variant. So it is performing quite well. Um, and especially when it comes to uh, severe cases, is doing quite well. Uh, but um, sort of the drawback, if you will, is the South uh, African variant. But um, a closer look actually showed that when you look at the population of uh, HIV negative um, volunteers, uh, the vaccine performs uh, at around, has, has an efficacy rate of about 60%. So not too bad but uh, considering that the South African variant actually is a uh, big concern in terms of evading uh,
0: the immune system. But definitely a good contender. And for it to be produced in Canada, that's positive news for us here, where you know we've been certainly waiting for sure. vaccines to, to come to us from the countries where they're being uh, you know put together. So good news. And does it look like it, it might be able to be produced in, in large enough numbers that it would be able to be you know given out to canadians in, in mass numbers correct
3: actually uh, especially
0: having a vaccine produced in our own country certainly it is
3: it is a great news in terms of making sure that we would have the vaccines that we need to ensure that majority of population does get vaccinated
1: now when you say produced in our own country i'm wondering if you if you can break down for me here Professor how long we're looking down the line if, if you know uh, is this something for future pandemics and for future viruses or could we get something up and running you know soon enough that this would put a dent in our coronavirus crisis
3: that's a good uh, a good point actually uh, the vaccine is not yet approved and in addition the company itself hasn't given a timeline in terms of when the vaccine may uh, be potentially uh, being uh, produced in canada So I think actually that uh, uh, this will be for um, uh, late this year or early next year, uh, considering what the company has already uh, uh, released through their uh, press releases.
0: Professor we do have uh, you know a handful of good vaccines that are proving to be you know doing what they're hoped to to be able to achieve, but now we look at AstraZeneca, have you been able to look at some of the research and do you have any thoughts on the concerns about AstraZeneca and the you know reports that there might be some blood clots that are being caused in some of those that are vaccinated by it?
3: very good question, thank you for bringing it up when it comes to um clinical trials that uh, AstraZeneca performed, there were no concerns of uh, blood clotting. And also when it comes to the vaccine rollout in UK, where about uh, 11 million people were vaccinated, there were no cases of death, um, especially uh, cases that uh, involved blood clotting. So uh, in Europe, in EU, where the, um, there are about 3, three million people that were uh, vaccinated with AstraZeneca, there are about, I believe, 22 cases. And what is interesting actually that the age apparently is not playing any role in terms of the 22 cases were not uh, people of age 65 and above. They were younger than that. I think in Italy were about 43 and 52. So, um, and when I look at the the data and the reports, it seems like. Uh, it is very likely that these cases were, are not connected to the uh, uh, administration of vaccine, although um, the company itself is looking very closely at these cases. But the incidence of the blood clotting happening in people, actually, seems to be um, uh, matching with what sort of uh, the normal cases of uh, people uh, dying of blood clots. Mm. So uh, I don't, when I look at uh, the reports, Coming from the company itself, uh, clinical trials, the number of people that have uh, uh, gotten the uh, AstraZeneca in UK, especially, I don't see that there is a, a real uh, relation between the vaccine itself and uh, and uh, the, the cause of the death of the people that uh, uh, took the vaccine in, um, in Italy and Austria. Um, so, so I think the vaccine itself is quite safe considering that such a huge number of people, like eleven million people in UK, um, uh, there was no no reports of that.
1: Professor, one article I read, and it quoted our, here in Alberta, Chief Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, uh, saying, okay, we, we stand behind our AstraZeneca vaccines as, as being safe and tested. And one thing that was pointed to was that it was from the factory in India versus perhaps another factory where the AstraZeneca vaccine was being produced. I'm wondering if you have any details on that, if you've heard of that. And, and could there be a difference? When we talk about the same vaccine uh, being uh, produced at two different facilities? That's a, thank you for
3: bringing that up, actually. And just to uh, a little bit of uh, uh, intro on that. Um, apparently, the batch of vaccines that Italy uh, was using and um, uh, where two people in Sicily actually um, uh, died uh, was not the same batch that Austria, for example, uh, used. Where uh, one person, I believe, uh, died. So, in the sense that they don't see when the company is looking at these, they don't see that um, the uh, people that died after being administered the vaccine were not given the same. The vaccine didn't come from the same batch. For example, Spain is using the same vaccine batch, I believe, that uh, Italy is using, and they are not. Uh, they haven't seen any uh, death cases. So. Uh, and in in again, the company is looking very closely because whenever there is an adverse event, uh, has to be reported and has to be followed up, but they don't see a, a relation uh, between um, the patches that uh, different countries are using and the cases of death that they have seen. So um, certainly the, when a vaccine is produced uh, from in two different places, like in this case, in UK and in India, um, there could be some differences Although they are using the same technology, the same process, but uh, just coincidental, could be some differences in terms of uh, sometimes the quality or uh, or certain things. But Mm. it is very rare because the quality process, really, that goes into these things is it's hugely uh, done very carefully Mm -hmm. uh, and very meticulous. So. There could be, I mean, you cannot say never, uh, the possibility is zero. But the fact that um, the number of uh, the the death cases that come from different badges uh, doesn't like one country is experiencing one thing with the same badge, but another country is experiencing something else, it means it most likely uh, is, uh, is uh, coincidental and has to do with the natural uh, cases of uh, dying from the blood clothing. Uh, it seems like, for example, um, in uh, the number of cases of people that die from blood clothing, about one to two per 1,000 people. So it is not low and also it goes up with age. Um, and as such, uh, um, we have to be cautious before drawing any
0: conclusion. Well, it's an ongoing discussion and they're making sure that it is absolutely safe. And by all accounts, it certainly is. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time.
3: Thank you for having
0: me. That is Desantila, Professor Desantila Golemi-Kotra, who is a biology prof at York University.
1: 7.50 on the morning news. Reports indicate that the year-round adoption of standard time would be better for people's health. Lower rates of car accidents, heart attacks, strokes, and workplace injuries. With details, we're joined by Professor Michael Antle of the UFC Psycho- uh, Psychology Department to talk about the negative effects of switching the clock up. Good morning to you, Doctor Antle. Good morning. Well, let's break this down because outside looking in, you might say we're just talking about switching things up an hour. What kind of an impact can that really have on our health?
4: So well there's two two issues. one is um, this weekend we 're going to be uh, of course springing our clocks forward and uh so the consequence of that is is in part we 're going to all lose an hour of sleep mm-hmm. and we're all going to force our bodies to wake up an hour earlier than they want to on monday morning and and so that's been shown to yeah, increase heart attacks and, and car accidents on the job accidents uh, medical mistakes in the hospitals and, and those are serious things that come along with this. Time change, and that's one of the reasons people want to get rid of the time change. Uh, but then you got to decide, okay, well, what are we going to do if we do get rid of the time change? Mm-hmm. Do we spring forward and stay there, or or do we fall back this fall and, and stay there? And uh, the evidence uh, is that for most people, uh, staying on standard time would be would be better. And for Alberta, particularly because of where we're located and the uh, when we do see sunlight, it would actually be more important for Alberta to be on standard time.
0: So standard time is what we're in right now. Prior to that's this weekend. right, yeah. Okay. And so why, why, for us here in Alberta, what, what, what makes the big difference in terms of what we see across the country? So when, when we're
4: organizing our day, and when our bosses decide to make us come in, they sort of schedule our day around natural time. And natural time would be um, when your solar noon, when the sun's at its high point, the midpoint of the day, um, occurs right at 12. Um, but today, our, our solar noon, uh, the midpoint of our day, is actually going to be quarter to one. And so next week... Uh, when we spring forward to uh um daylight saving time, we're actually going to have our solar noon at um, at 1.45 in the afternoon. So we're actually quite a bit west of where we should be. So we're going to feel the impact of moving to permanent daylight time um, much more acutely than people in, in British Columbia. And the other thing that goes along with this is people in British Columbia, most of the population live very close to the border, down near the 49th parallel, mm-hmm. whereas in Alberta we have a much more northern population with the big cities of Calgary and Edmonton being significantly farther north than than uh, uh vancouver so we actually have much shorter days in the winter we're really going to feel the impact more
1: doctor we've covered the body clock aspect and you know you're mentioning the health benefits however this is in the hands of government so until a, a change is made perhaps down the line who knows it seems like we talk about this every year <laughs> yeah, a couple of times yep. Yep. <laughs> um are there things that we can do is it as simple as going to bed an hour earlier does that erase of uh, you know the the hour lost uh, well,
4: if you can, if you have a flexible work schedule, and you know a lot of us do these days as we're staying home, um, then you know just sort of do what works for your body. If you listen to your body, then that's good. If you do have to get up and go to work, don't rush. Give yourself the extra time to prepare because it's that waking up a little bit uh, in, in our, that rush state that's going to hurt people on Monday mornings and maybe rushing to get to get to work because their their body clock didn't wake them up on time. So you know just be aware it's going to happen. Give yourself some extra time to prepare.
0: Over time, do we see uh, you know a scientific effect on our bodies?
4: So, um, for the, the the move to permanent daylight, or permanent standard, um, what they've done is they've looked at people uh, living in different parts of time zones because people in the western edge of a time zone have uh, uh, sunrise and sunset up to an hour later, and, but they all go to work at the same time within a time zone. And what they found is people on the west who have these later sunsets um, have much higher rates of cancer, uh, diabetes, heart disease. So there are mm-hmm. consequences to this. And it largely comes from the fact that uh, when you have a later sunset, you go to bed later, but you still have to wake up at the same time go to work. And so people on those western edges sleep 20 minutes less a day, which works out to uh, I think it, it's a seek uh, it's over 100 hours a year wow. uh, less sleep.
1: I'm exhausted just Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to keep my eyes open now. Uh, thank you so much for your time this morning, uh, professor. My pleasure. As Dr. Michael Antle, professor of the psychology department at the University of Calgary. 909 on the morning news. Couples wanting to marry in 2020 have ridden a roller coaster of postponing, waiting to see, seeing some clarity, and then having to start the whole process over again. Calgary event strategist and designer Leslie Plumley has an update on what we can look forward to in 2021. Good morning to you, Leslie.
5: Good morning. How are
3: you?
1: Good. Thank you for taking the time with us this morning. And a lot of folks out there are not in the game, not in that headspace, are thinking, well, it's it's March 12th. Why are we talking about this now? Well, if you're looking at June or July, now is the time to talk about it, isn't it?
5: It absolutely is. Planning ahead is always the best strategy.
1: Well, let's talk about that planning ahead, because some folks started planning ahead probably end of 2019, maybe <laughs> early 2020, and then... <laughs> Bam. Uh, Do you hear from a lot of people who have been in this process for, you know, 18 months or or thereabouts?
5: Oh, 100%. I have had about probably, I would say, half of my... Clientele has been postponing and postponing and postponing their weddings. And, you know, it breaks our heart as vendors as well because we certainly know that they, uh, they're they going through a tough emotional time. Um, but we are, too, as vendors, too. So it's, uh, it's very difficult for them.
0: It's that not knowing, right? It just makes it so difficult. So what are you expecting? I mean, we know, right, we can do outdoor gatherings up to 10 people, and that includes weddings. So are you seeing that? Are people sort of gearing up for this new version of a, of a wedding ceremony? Well, I think a lot are, especially in the, the beginning parts of
5: the summer, the micro weddings um, or petite weddings, as people are calling them. Because, again, the government isn't saying you cannot get married. What they're saying is you just cannot have the reception at this time. So we have a lot of people that are still saying, you know what? The whole point of a marriage is the ceremony. Let's just do the ceremony. It's going to be intimate. And then, you know, maybe in the next year, we can have the big party and celebrate with our friends and family.
1: Yeah, but I guess that would be kind of a plan B. And that was my my question is, uh, you know, as somebody who tries to run a business during these uncertain times, do you just lay out a whole bunch of options and say, okay, if this doesn't work, we'll go to this step. If that doesn't work, you know, how do these (laughs) meetings go? I think we're
5: on step 10 now, <laughs> I think. Um, you know, it is hard, it's very hard to to strategize and to forecast what's going to happen. You need a runway of time to be able to do these these weddings or any other events. So You know, I I am very honest and transparent with clients. It's very hard to uh, guess what the government is going to allow us to do. But, you know, I I feel that there is a a shift, I think, a little bit, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel for summer events to be able to maybe possibly be able to move up to a little bit higher capacity.
0: Leslie, I'm a provincial wedding officiant, so I get what you're saying. I would do multiple weddings per month and now maybe one a month. And there certainly it's just kind of two witnesses. And, and you're right, planning for the party later. That's weddings. As we look at graduations and maybe prepare for that, what are you hearing on that front? Well, first and foremost, my heart is breaking for all of the grads. I mean, we have all been
5: there. Now, granted, it was a long time ago for me. But, you know, I do, I know that there is going to be the drive-through grads that are going to be happening again. Um, It was such a success last year. So I know that that's going to be moving forward for this year. I think, you know, the schools are still, again, while it was told that they weren't able to do the graduations, I think they're still trying to figure out what can or cannot happen but the drive-through grads I think are going to be the thing that you're going to see again this year and you know it might be something that you see throughout the rest of I don't know for several years going forward it's just a, a very interesting and cool experience for the students I think it's also a really great experience for the parents and you know it's it's not as expensive as as a normal grad so I think that that's going to be what's going to happen for this year.
1: Leslie, I'm wondering, you know, as people want to still celebrate such a milestone as an event strategist, have you done any work with families wanting to do something special for their grads? I'm thinking maybe back to last year.
5: You know what? Absolutely. I actually am working with a few families right now um, because we can have the outdoor gatherings of up to 10 people. And, and I mean, Calgary's weather is always iffy. <laughs> you know, there is the drive through grad. And then after they do the drive through and that, they're going to have a, a nice intimate backyard celebration as well. Again, we have talked all about the risk management and and making sure everything is safe, but you can still also have a small celebration with your family um, of your household in your backyard or also with a bunch of you know, ten, 10 people socially distanced, you can still have that. There's, there's just strategic ways that you can do it with a caterer and with some decor and some music.
0: And, you know, as you mentioned, maybe people have a little extra money because they're, they're, there aren't these elaborate weddings and there aren't these elaborate grads. So this is the year to, to look into an event strategist and a designer and, and see how you can maybe make things a little bit different and, and as grandiose as they can be with the limits that we have on us right now. I totally agree. And maybe I'm a little biased (laughs) being
5: being the event strategist, but
0: I I really feel that you can think
5: outside the box. I think what COVID has really done for us is to be able to take what we thought we could do and just really think outside of the box and make something creative.
1: Wow. Incredible. And, uh, you know, I know you do the best you can without having that crystal ball in front of you. So we appreciate your time and uh, understand your frustration, Leslie.
3: Well,
5: I really appreciate it too. Thank you for taking the time to talk.
1: Thank you. That is Leslie Plumley, event strategist and designer. She's online at lpevents.ca. So it's it's hard to put your finger on just you know how much business and how much money was lost, but I think that you know right next to me here in the studio, I've got somebody who'll have a, a half decent percentage as far as a wedding officiant. You've done this for for quite some time, mm-hmm. Sue. So, Uh, Would you say, how many would you usually do a season or a year?
0: Well, per month, I would easily, you know, and I have to turn a lot down just because I have young kids and, and busy. So I know that all provincial officiants are really, really, but I would easily do one a weekend. No problem. Sometimes two, sometimes more, especially when we get into the summer months. I could do... Two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday and do that right so through the So you can month. do
1: four to 12 or something Easy, like
0: that. Easy, no problem. Right now, maybe getting one a month. And people are really shopping around because all they want is an officiant who will come and witness and sign the papers and be done because they're going to do everything later on. Like so Leslie they, said. Yeah, exactly. So they're not looking for really any kind of anything. Most of these are in homes. Where you just kind of walk in, you sign the paperwork, you know, pronounce the couple and be done with it. And then later on, they'll take care of, you know, the the fun party aspect of things that they really want with their wedding.
1: And I could see some people outside saying, well, why don't you just wait? Well, some people don't want to. Yeah, I mean, this is such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And and maybe the couple has reasons for it. Or maybe it's just time, right? So uh, <laughs> I can't even imagine the uncertainty planning something that is, Ugh. to a large extent, so detailed and personal, but not having the knowledge of exactly what the parameters are.
0: Yeah, and I've already I've had a few of my couples already push back to 2022 because they just aren't sure, and they know they want to do the big fun wedding, so they're yeah. just saying we're not even going to take the chance with 21. We're pushing back to 22. Want what you 22. want. Yeah.